0: This morning, uh, we come to remember and uh, think about things that define us as Christians. I'd like you just to think about the things in your life. Maybe you have a a family celebration or an annual tradition. Kind of marks your family special from all others. Today, that's what we're here to do. I'd like to give you, as a way to review, uh, just a few things about today's worship service on this Lord's Day, the very first thing that that we're about this morning is remembering. We're about remembering the blood and body of Jesus. We're here today to pay particular attention about the past of what Jesus Christ did for us. We were singing about that, about the cross of Calvary and about Jesus dying and becoming our sacrifice and paying a debt we couldn't pay. We're here to reflect about the sin, our sin. I don't know about you but I don't need anybody to tell me necessarily how bad I am. I, I see that and I fight that and the Holy Spirit brings that to remembrance and so because of my sin I can reflect on that, but I also can reflect on God's forgiveness. Our sin is grave and terrible. It's horrible. Before we are born again or saved or become followers of Christ or commit our life to Christ or before we repent, we're actually enemies of God. But Jesus paid it all, and all to him we owe. This morning we also are here for those of us who have accepted Christ, to renew our commitment to Christ. This message is sort of, maybe not technically, but sort of in the middle of the worship service because the Word of God is central. And then we're going to respond by congregational prayer and by the Lord's Supper and by watching and witnessing believers' baptism. So this morning, we are here to renew our commitment to Christ and just as you have been doing you've already began this you've already started this you, we're rejoicing we're rejoicing this morning because we have something to sing about Jesus has set us free and we can sing about Jesus if there's nothing else going on in this world we can shout hallelujah because of Jesus I'd like to remind us of what an ordinance is. Kind of a technical definition is the Christian ordinance is a Christian rite that is believed to have been ordained by Christ or commanded by Christ to deliver a means of divine grace or to be a sign or a symbol of a spiritual reality. So in other words, it's a sign, an outward sign of something going on deeper in our lives. So let's take a look at baptism. First, baptism is a demonstration of our identification with Christ and His church. It's the day that we come and we say we want to be united with Christ and united with His church. We're communicating to the world that we are no longer ours, But we're His. We're telling the world when we are baptized that I'm committing my life to Christ. Now, many, if not most, of us in this room have been baptized. So this is a place in the message for you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you remind you of being united with Christ. Are you living like you're united with Christ in His church? Let's think of baptism this way. Baptism is a celebration of the grace of Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We've been in the book of Ephesians, but we're saved. How? It's through faith and by what? Grace. So baptism is a celebration that we're being given a gift of grace that we didn't deserve and we've been recipients of that, and we've taken that upon ourselves, and we are celebrating what Christ has done for us. It's an outward celebration of this inner identification. It's also an illustration of the gospel. Believers' baptism by immersion, which is what I believe the Bible's clearest teaching of baptism is, is for a person to be buried in the waters of baptism with Christ in raised in the newness of life. It's a great illustration of the gospel. It's also a declaration. If you have your Bibles handy, just turn with me to Colossians chapter two quickly. We'll just let the word speak for itself. But verses 11, and following. The second chapter of the book of, or the letter of Colossians, the 11th verse. Colossians 2, 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Notice these words, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. So who is this God that's raising us in our baptism? This God who raised him, meaning Jesus, from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Notice we were dead, but notice what it says. He has made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. I just want to just stop there for one moment. How many trespasses does he forgive us of? It's not rhetorical, I, someone. Is there any that he doesn't forgive? Is there one too big he can't forgive? Does that mean he forgave the past transgressions and trespasses? Does that mean he will forgive the ones that we've maybe committed today? Does it mean that that he will forgive if we trespass or sin against him tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, isn't isn't that good news? He's forgiven us. Having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which are contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way. How did he do this? He nailed it to the cross. Notice what verse 15 says. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. And then the New King James Version I'm reading this morning says, triumphing over them in it. We are baptized, declaring the glory of Christ in the church, to the world that Jesus has conquered sin and death. What a great illustration and declaration, amen? That's the one-time thing that we do. We're only baptized once. That's all we need to tell the world once that we're following Christ, if we've truly been converted, if we've truly been saved. But notice the Lord's Supper is, when we get to the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, it's the continual identification with Christ in his church. This is the one meal that we have as a family that was blood-bought. This morning, this table we come around figuratively is the table. At Thanksgiving, you you may join with your your physical family, your genetic family. But this morning, as we come to the table, it's a bigger family than any of us can imagine. We're uniting with those believers here at St. Louis Crossing that we have a bloodline that's different than our own physical, biological bloodline. We have the bloodline of Jesus running through our veins. It's Emmanuel's blood this morning that unites us. And so as just a form of reminder quickly about the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, it is also a proclamation of the gospel. Again, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, I'll be in verse 17. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for the better but for the worse. So he's writing to a church that wasn't doing this right. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there's divisions among you. And he says, I believe it in part. There must be some factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place. Now notice this. These are instructions for the Lord's Supper. You can't have a family meal not gathered together. It's impossible. There are... Is, there's just no way to have a family meal without being together with the family. It says in one place. It is, to, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper for eating? Each one of you takes his own supper ahead of others and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. So he's giving warnings. There, this is a serious meal. We should be right when we come to the table. And then he gives these instructions. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Notice verse 28. But let a man examine himself, so he not let him not eat of the bread or drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, many asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned to the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. So what's going on here? Well, first of all, it's a proclamation of the gospel again. Jesus died for our sins we take his body and his blood that he shed on calvary for us and we look to the hope of the resurrection it's also an examination we need to vertically examine occasionally i like to remind us of the instructions for our church family we're going to the communion elements are on your tables but this is a meal we love having everybody, but it's a meal for people who have professed faith in Christ. It's not for unbelievers. And there's a reason for that. It's a special meal for those who are in the family of God who've committed their, their life to Christ. So the question this morning, are you a follower of Christ? What you're standing with the Lord? So it's a vertical examination. It's also a horizontal examination. You saw that they were having trouble with one another. There was some factions or divisions in the church. So Paul's just saying, make sure that your horizontal relationships are okay with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe they're not here this morning. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to examine. You can repent of that and ask for forgiveness and, and trust that God is going to forgive you. There's also an anticipation with the Lord's Supper. Notice that we do it until He comes again. Let me give you the good news. Jesus is coming back. We are going to see Jesus very soon. Either There's an old saying, either here, there, or in the air, He's coming back. And we have something to be excited about. And so this meal reminds us of something that's still coming, a heavenly banquet. It's not only a proclamation and examination and anticipation, it's also the fact that we get to participate, participation. If there's anything that suggests that what we do here on Sunday mornings is uniquely different from everything else in the world, one of those things is the Lord's Supper. It's the only place that it happens is in the church. The proclamation of God's word and the Lord's Supper are the two things that the world doesn't do. This is special to us. And so when you participate, you're participating about uniting with some family that's different than the rest of the world. That's a good thing. And when we do all of that, we can celebrate. This is a celebration. It's interesting, there's a a movement, kind of a linear movement. Um, We proclaim, we hear the good news. That causes us to examine ourselves, our relationship with God and relationship with others. Once we go through that, then we can anticipate, we can be happy Jesus is coming back. We can rejoice. We can even pray for that. Because we're in this right relationship. Why? Because our baptism has said that, that the wrath of God has been satisfied not upon us, but on Jesus. And so we're saved. We're secure. We, we've been delivered. And now we can anticipate that when we meet Jesus, whether it be in this moment and our heart stops or an accident or Jesus breaks out of the cloud and out of the eastern sky this morning and the trumpet sounds and we all rise up, with we can, we can meet him face to face with this anticipation of joy, not because of us, but because of what He has done. And we can cast our crowns before His feet and we can rejoice of all that He's done and we can hear Him say, enter my rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. We can participate. When we can anticipate, we can participate we can be bound to this church. We do so with humility and grace. This is one of the unique ways. Don't ask me to explain it. Don't, I don't understand why, but I think that the Lord did something very special. He used the common element of water to make that first ordinance. Just, just common water, just a common symbol of dying to oneself and being raised. And then of the, of the day, in that Passover meal, he took the most common elements of the Passover meal, bread and the fruit of the vine. That's all he did, the most common things. And he said these two, he could have decided to use anything. He could have decided to command us to do anything and he chose these two. And so this morning we get to join with one another and celebrate these in just a few moments. We're going to re- I'm going to uh, pray as a step towards our congregational prayer. Again, just as a, a teaching moment, um, I like the word congregational prayer in our liturgy, in our order of worship, because we're praying together as a church family. It's one of the things that I probably differ than most people on. This is where we share the supplications, the requests, health issues, family crisis, um, job related issues, just personal things. It's well, where we also pray for one another to be strengthened in the Lord to fight the spiritual battles. It's where we share our, our spiritual longings and desires with one another. It's where we can unite with one another. Then after we pray, I'm gonna ask Ashley to come up and we're gonna listen to a bit of her testimony. Then we'll move right into the Lord's Supper. We'll do it responsively, like before. And if you wanna grab one of those, those of you that'll be participating, um, if you wanna go ahead and just kinda grab one of those, that remember the top cup or the top of the lid is kind of take the wafer and then, we're gonna take it bread and then juice and we'll do it in unison. We'll take the bread together, and then we'll take the cup together. And then we'll all celebrate Ashley's commitment this morning. Father, as words of reminder this morning in the message, we've looked to your word. We've read your word. Your Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts. It's my prayer as we continue to respond to your grace and your working in our lives this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would deepen our walk with you, that, Lord, that you would continue to sanctify those in Christ, build them up, mature them, grow them, grow me, continue to mature me, help me finish strong. Lord, I pray for maybe a person or two that have not made a commitment to you. This morning they know in their own heart, they still haven't decided, they still haven't repented of their sin. I would pray that this morning's worship would communicate in some way the glorious truth of the gospel. Maybe there's someone who has committed to you that you've saved, that you've born again and afresh and anew, but. They've just never followed through in believer's baptism. May today be that encouragement to take the step. You, you tell us that you want us to be baptized. It's a step. It doesn't save us, we know that, Lord. But it is, a, it is an acknowledgement of the saving work in our lives. So as our brother comes and leads us together, as we continue in prayer... Help us to open our hearts and open our lives and share those one with another. In Jesus' name, amen.